You are listening to CDCR Unlocked. I'm Tessa Outheis. Today's episode comes to us from the Division of Rehabilitative Programs and discusses some of the programs CDCR offers to support a person's transition from incarceration to the community after release. Two of those programs are the Custody to Community Transitional Reentry Program, or CCTRP, and the Community Prisoner Mother Program, or CPMP. Joseph Reese with CCTRP and Pamela Dixon Stamps with CPMP join us to explain what these programs do and how they can help. The acronym stands for Custody to Community Transitional Reentry Program. So uh, what it is is it gives uh, participants an opportunity to come out to the the streets and serve the remainder of their sentence while they transition uh, based on a time frame. You have... uh, different case factors that are involved that uh, they have to meet prior to coming out and uh, gives them an opportunity to basically get their feet wet before transitioning into the real world of parole. And exactly what the acronym says, Custody to Community Transitional Reentry Program. So the whole goal of the program is to create that transition and to get them ready to go from custody to the community. So CPMP, the Community Prisoner Mother Program, is a unique program within itself. So it is a program where participant mothers um, can serve their sentence in the community with their children under the age of six years old. So we actually take pregnant women and also women who have children. And they can have at least more than one child. So some women are allowed to, we've had at times two children at the program. And now we're allowing, based on availability, it could be three. So for example, we have a mother who has twins and then an infant, they would be able to bring their children with the program. So in the program, they're serving the sentence. They're able to live with their children. Um, We have unique programs for the mothers and the children. The children do go to school um, in the local community. We have daycare on site. So the women are able to get their educational, vocational classes. And also we do a curriculum in accordance with their individual needs. So if there is an issue with a drug problem or whatever issues they have, is it family uh, orientation issues, we have those type of courses for them. And we cater their programs specific to their needs. Um, CPMP is very different from CCTRP, where CCTRP, the goal there is the, the basic transition into the community, and that is their main focus, is more so on working. At CPMP, we're more geared toward that parenting component. So we are, our focus is on teaching the women how to bond with their children and to conduct themselves within age-appropriate ways of handling their children. Well, I mean, the intent was always rehabilitation. I think just recently, though, with the lift and shift of what's gone on, they've moved over to the Division of Rehabilitative Programs, DRP. Uh, But it was always similar uh, mindset and goals with the population. So for either program, I would say, and I think Joe could agree, that the basis of all of these programs are to give the women the opportunity to transition. Now, we not only assist the women while they're at our program, but we have a tendency to follow them once they leave. We give them the skills 
so that when they go out in the community, they can go out as productive citizens. And Joe can tell you, at your program, they're working, they're leaving with 20000 with $10,000, where they can actually provide housing for themselves. Many of these women come from trauma, abused families, trauma relationships, and they have uh, difficulties in their lives. So it gives them that independence for the first time in their lives to be able to take care of themselves. Well, I can speak for uh, CCTRP Santa Fe Springs, where they partner with uh, LACADAS, the LA Center for Alcohol and Drug Abuse. they're subject matter experts in uh, alcohol, drug abuse, family unification, um, family services, things of that nature. And what they do is um, each participant is assigned a counselor. And that counselor, we try to do it and base it off of their need. Uh, you know, different counselors have different uh, specialties, I would say. So if somebody needs more family reunification, we would put them with our family services coordinator and who's uh, a little more versed in things of family court and of that nature. Um, but for a whole, their function is to make sure that those participants receive services there. And we're very similar in that aspect. So as far as the services we we provide, we do ensure that all of our courses are evidence-based and trauma-informed. We do recognize that women experience different types of trauma that uh, men may necessarily, might not necessarily experience. We do also have vocational component where we're, we're teaching them how to use Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, how to make their resume. Um, and for the education also, we make sure uh, as much as possible that we start from elementary if they need it, all the way up to getting them their GED or high school diploma. Um, well, one of the things over here is at Santa Fe Springs is they uh, have a vocal instructor who their function is to basically assess their needs, help them with a the resume, and then at that point uh, refer them to job placement centers in the community. So a good portion of the population works. Uh, Those participants that need education, uh, what they do is the teacher there doesn't necessarily teach them on site, but it's more like an air traffic controller and directing them with an education plan and getting them to the local uh, community colleges, uh, Rio Hondo, uh, Fullerton. I mean, there's quite many variations, Cerritos of of junior colleges that these uh, participants can attend. and since I've been there, we've had at least two or three uh, obtain their associate's degree. I want to say one or two have obtained their uh, bachelor's degrees. Uh, and a lot of them have uh, obtained their GED, high set, or, or high school diploma. So uh, that's a huge component for those people because I, you know, we tout that uh, don't leave here empty handed, don't make this time worth nothing. So, uh, so it's good to see them leave with something in hand. Uh, it's a voluntary program uh, at the institution, and so they apply. Um, to the community bed coordinator. And uh, the community bed coordinator uh, works with the DRP staff up here uh, through the application process. Um, They go to a committee. Uh, That committee is chaired by uh, the local institutions now. Uh, So you have a chief deputy warden or warden who's the actual approver of uh, the committee. And then at that point, uh, they'll come out to the program. And I think a lot of times they get them closest to where their uh, families are for reunification purposes, but there are scenarios where there may be victims and things of that nature that uh, they can't go back to that county. We're fortunate enough to have 
I believe there's a total of five CCTRPs, San Diego, Santa Fe Springs, Bakersfield, Stockton, and then Sacramento. Uh, so it goes pretty much all the way up California. So there's a lot of opportunities there for people to program. Right. Now, CPMP is a little different as far as the recruitment process because CPMP is governed by California Penal Code 3410. It states that we do have to advise every inmate who comes into our population about the CPMP program. So everyone in the institution is basically responsible for letting the women know about the program from the counselor to the sergeant to the reception center when they come in um, we've also gone out to local prisons we go out to the county jail and let them know about the program before they even come in um, pre-covid and we would like to continue that after uh, for all the programs, for all the CCTRPs, there's a phasing process. So when you come in, you're in phase one. Uh, phase one, I believe all the programs have a uh, what they call a blackout period, which lets you, gives you an opportunity to uh, get acclimated to you know, basically the rules of the program, uh, read your program or orientation handbook, and uh, uh, just get used to it. It's before you start making phone calls to your family and taking on those uh, outside problems that you know most people are dealing with. Uh, after that, they go into phase two. Uh, phase two is more where they're dealing with their counselors and they're uh, learning about the traumas and the things that they need to address because a uh, conversation we've had a hundred times is, you know, you might have somebody that come in with uh, you know, five master's degrees, but if they're an alcoholic and we don't address that before they leave, you're just gonna go back and be an alcoholic uh, when you leave. So. The program that it, uh, I oversee, they really work on that to address the issue that's brought them there. So that's usually happening between phase two. Uh, they have to complete packets and things of that nature and work. And all cases are reviewed approximately every 30 days for um, what they call a case review. So basically everybody comes to the table, uh, program director, clinicians, uh, uh, DAPO staff, parole agents, the counselors. Uh, one of the rules that uh, hasn't been mentioned is that each participant at CCTRP is on what they call an EID, an ankle monitoring device. So that is a requirement that's different from uh, Pam, where Pam's at, where they do not have uh, ankle we monitors. So they're not monitored that way. Uh, and I think that's probably because of the children. It is because of the children. So it's really a unique program. Now with CCTRP, they can um, be medium custody, whereas at CPMP, they have to be eligible for minimum custody because we do not have ankle monitors on them. We want the, the children don't even know their mothers are incarcerated. It's really a community uh, base facility. We take them to Chuck E. Cheese. So we're at the state fair. We are at Knox Knoxbury Farm. So we're doing things a little different in, in taking the children out on outings and making sure that they feel like they're at home. We make it a home environment. And they do make CCTRP as well a home environment, but just a, a tad different where our requirement is you do have to be pregnant or have children and you do have to be minimum custody. So they can't have a shoe term within the past year. Um, time to serve, uh, remaining time on their sentence. Yes. Uh, they evaluate escape history. Uh, with the population, with the high amount of mental health uh, participants in the population, the institutions, we are starting to see that more so now yes. where uh, participants are coming out with more mental health needs. 
um, which those mental health needs are uh, addressed by what acronym is BHR, Behavioral Health Reintegration, uh, which is a uh, parole function. So they do get their services through them. It starts with your behavior inside the prison. So you can't have multiple RVRs. You have to show a history of being disciplinary free. And we like to see that for at least the last six months. So if they violate rules within the prison system, then um, they could receive uh, a write-up for that, which could also cause them to get extra prison time. So there are some serious RVRs where those are uh, what we consider as more higher level rule violations and there's administrative RVRs where they may have been out of bounds or they may have miscount or... Um, the committee looks at that when they're yes. addressing them. Uh, just to see if they're more flagrant things that right. would cause them to be a public safety issue. It's basically ensuring that they're not, uh, wouldn't cause any issues of safety when they're out in the community. Most people do, even if they have past behavioral issues, we've noticed that they, they clear them up um, to get out into these programs. So that shows that you really want to be out here in the first place, that you're able to clear up your behavior before you even get there. Now CPMP is a little different. CPMP, they can be in the program for up to six years. So if a person has six years to serve, they can actually be with their child from birth all the way through kindergarten, um, going into the first grade, the beginning of first grade. So it does give them the unique opportunity to actually have that bonding, and the child never knows what it's like to be away from their parent. Some of the women in CPMP, a lot of them have other children. Um, I had a woman in my program who was 45 years old, and she had 10 children. Um, never had the opportunity to raise any of her children because of incarceration, because of her drug history. Um, the child that she had in the program was the first child that she had ever raised. And it makes a huge difference for the women because if they have more than two years to serve, the likelihood of their children being put up for adoption is huge. So these women, even if they don't have their other children, they do have the unique opportunity of being with the child that they have, especially if they come in pregnant. And we have women who have the opportunity to be with their children. They go to work. They're able to provide for their self and their children when they leave. And I can say success stories could be of how glorious it is when they leave and they don't come back. But I can say also a success story is when I have a woman that will call me and say, hey, I've fallen. I've fallen short and I need help. And we do that. So we encourage our women to call us, and, and they do the same. We encourage them, call us when you need help. And I would say that's a success story, because previously they wouldn't have done that. They would have just stayed out there on substances, not called anyone, and ended up back with another prison sentence. So when they're able to call us and say, I need help, we get on it and we help them get into a program. If they have a parole agent, I call their parole agent and let them know, your client has called me, we're helping her to get in a program.
we're helping them right away to get in the program and let them know what we're doing for them. So we have many success stories of women who are able to take care of their children. They don't come back because those children, that stability, they realize the stability that their children need. And they take that with them. And they're able to do it with support. Whereas in the community, raising a child is difficult as it is anyway for any parent. For any parent. So you imagine a parent who has a substance problem and they're dealing with all of these issues and bills and everything else. But they can raise their child and go through that with support. We provide parent interactive child therapy where there's a therapist who teaches them how to interact with their children, who teaches them how to discipline because discipline is a part of raising your child. It's very much a part of raising your... We teach them how to discipline appropriately and and be able to handle their children. So, and and that's the same thing, like... Synesthesia therapy. I mean, that's that uh, extension of services after they parole. When you get an opportunity, when they call and they say, hey, Reese, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, they form bonds with some of the staff there where they can reach back in and uh, let us know how they're doing. I mean... Uh, and, and not just the money factor. Like we've had people who have paroled there, that uh, you know, from being out for the full amount of time, they've had uh, quite a work history. So when you're signing the budget at the end of the month and somebody is paroling with twenty-eight thousand dollars, that's significant because, like you know, previously stated, you no longer have to uh, hit your family up for money, or you don't have to uh, request request resources in the community. You can just go out and get your own apartment. Or you can get your own car, things of that nature. Um, but I know uh, the DAPO staff, the parole staff that work there, um, actively look and check on the participants who are paroled to see how they've been doing, because we want to see if the program works. We want to see who's uh, uh, who's failing, and if we are failing, how are we failing? Because, you know, uh, that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. The opportunity is there. They just have to want it. Uh, but it's uh, at the end of the day, you see more people do really well from leaving there than leaving a state institution. Yes, because one thing um, that we don't do, we will not parole anyone without a place to go. They will not leave our programs without housing because we start that process from the beginning, ensuring that they have a place to live and we assist them in ensuring that they have housing when they leave our programs. If they have a job and they're from a different county, we try to ensure that they can keep their job. So we do everything and work with with DAPO, we work with paroles to help them to stay in the county where they work at. So if they're from up north and they say, hey, I wanna stay here or vice versa, and they have a great job, we try to make sure that they can keep that job, keep that money flow, because that's important um, to keeping them out of the system. Uh, you know, prisons are always fascinating to the average Joe. And so uh, as I have conversation with neighbors or just people you meet, um, I think there's a big uh, push for this community corrections. And I think that they like the fact that people are getting an opportunity to not get worse in prison, but to actually uh, learn some skills to be better neighbors and people that they stand next to in stores and things of that nature, because that's what it really boils down to. These people are going to leave these programs 
and uh, be our neighbors. And so we wanted to be next door neighbor, uh, next door neighbor, or exactly. right down the street. And so, in talking with those people and giving them that opportunity to understand kind of what it is that we do and what it is at that. It's not just housing when they come out to the community. There's actually resources and staff that are assisting them with their problems. Uh, they like to hear that. And so th those are from the few conversations that I've had with different people. Uh, and so it makes a difference, uh, you know, and then now segue to uh, the participant population. Uh, as you try to push a voluntary program, um, for some people, they don't come out with the right uh, state of mind because they're just looking for a way to get out of the institution. But for those ones that have uh, worked in the institution and they've worked on uh, themselves and they really want to do something different, it's a perfect opportunity for them to come out and, uh, and gain the skills that is to be successful in life. And that's the key to it, um, is that one of the points Joe made is that for the participant population, this program, these programs are not for everyone. They're for individuals who want to change their lives. We're in the life-changing business. So if you wanna come and you wanna change your life and you're ready to do that, we'll do everything within our power to help them with that. It's not just to come out of prison and have a good time, it's to come out and do some work because we're gonna work on every bit of everything that they need. And those who are willing to change their lives and who want to, this is for them. That's who we're with. I would say, again, like he explained, for the public, when we can bring people out of prison to become productive citizens, these are your neighbors. These are the people that you run into in the grocery store. These are the people that's picking up their children from the school, just like you're picking up your children. So you would rather have these type of programs there for them so that they can become productive citizens, so that they can feel good about it being a part of their community. And it only strengthens the community for us to give the people the skills that they need to come out. If they don't have the skills, they can't do it. These programs provide those skills. We give them a chance to reintegrate into the public before they go into the public. So I would say for the public, it becomes that safety for our communities and being upstanding citizens. For the staff, our job is to rehabilitate. That's what the department is about. I've been involved in these programs for many years and I believe in the mission that and the direction that the department is going into because I've seen the changes, I've seen what these programs have done. And for the staff that's still a little skeptical, I would say come out because they're inside the prison but they don't see what we're doing out here. So I would recommend and I would encourage staff if you want to come out, come on out call us up, let's get tours going so you can see what we're doing out here and see the changes and the positivity that we're creating out in the community. You know, Joe and I have a unique relationship. We worked at the prison, so we've known each other 20 for 20 plus years. And so we've seen the changes from CDC, we were CDC, to CDCR. 
And we've both had the unique opportunity to come out to these programs, to see what it's about, and to be CDCR and be all about rehabilitation. And um, I think both of us, after 20 plus years, can say that we've seen it all. Yeah. We've seen it all. And you finally are able to get a little bit of that job satisfaction of uh, seeing people that get an opportunity to be a little bit different than when they came in. I mean, you see people going at 19, coming out at 35, um, you know, their first trip to Walmart, uh, when they go shop, uh, they're anxious, they're nervous. I mean, that's just a normal function for a regular joke, you know? Oh, and yeah, so you forgot see, to say they go shopping. Yeah, you know, so you see those <laughs> things that uh, we take for granted that somebody who's been down for so long, that is a huge thing for them. So it, uh, basically takes the edge off of that transition out to the community, which that's the whole point, transition. Yeah. And we've seen both sides of it. We've ran into uh, individuals out in the community ourselves. And I can tell you that when I run into an individual out in the community and I can't even recognize them, um, I was telling him the other day I ran into one of the participants CCTRP participants from San Diego. And she was like, hi, Miss Naps. And just talking about her job, looking great. That's what we love to see. Yeah, that's, the point. that's the whole point of what we're doing. Well, that was a lot of really great information. I found that really useful and I hope you did too. And Pamela's right. Many of us likely encounter formerly incarcerated people in the community every day, and it's great we have programs like CCTRP and CPMP to support their success after release. We really want to thank Joseph and Pamela for their time and their contributions to this topic. This concludes this episode of CDCR Unlocked. Look out for more episodes right here every other Thursday. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.